If there was a missing piece of information that is costing you money now or could cost you money in the future, when would you want to find out about it? Ideally, you would want to learn about it right now. It's best to learn these critical facts before you make any financial decisions because not knowing could have profound effects on your financial future. One of the best ways to make money is to avoid losing it in the first place. So we focus on all the missing facts to keep your money from falling through the cracks and we engineer tax strategies to reduce burdens on your income. Welcome to the Roadmap to Retirement podcast with Ken New from Pinnacle Financial Wealth Management. As a fiduciary advisor, Ken focuses on creating individualized holistic plans rather than cookie cutter portfolios. Listen in as Ken and his guest experts explore key retirement and tax strategies that every pre-retiree should consider to reach their pinnacle. Now, onto the show. Ken New's strategy for retirement planning includes five fundamentals. In his last podcast, episode three, Ken outlined the first, income planning. This conversation will focus on his endowment strategy. Now, that's something you may not have heard about before. I'm Patrice Sikora. And Ken, I'd like you to explain the thoughts behind this tactic. But first, you have critical conversations you like to have with clients. And each episode, you're going to review one of these topics that, well, people generally shy away from. So what are you talking about today? What are you tackling? Yeah, that's great. Uh, thank you. Glad to be here. So I love the endowment strategy. And along with the endowment strategy are a lot of pieces and parts. And we have talked about that in the last episode. It, it was really the focus on income as well as the, the, the part of income that can be challenging and that is paying taxes. Mm. And so a couple of things that I think are always critical conversations in regard to income first, as a reminder, learn about taking Medicare when you get to retirement age. So as a reminder, we spoke and I, I really have the thesis that taking the Social Security at age 65 is an advantage or full retirement age is an advantage for most retirees. And along with that is this decision about Medicare. And what's important about Medicare is the IRMA-related adjustment. So that is an income-related adjustment and it is a look back of two years. So that age 65-year-old person who gets on Medicare is going to have to have an adjustment of their income related to their age 63 income. And for most people, that was a pretty high year for them. They were still in the working world. And so that is one of the things that we want to begin to discuss and see whether or not there are some advantages that they may be able to take advantage of as they get into retirement. One would be how to lower income. Yeah, let's just make and, this clear. IRMA is I-R-M-A-A. And what it does, you say it's a two-year look back and the government looks at your income then and you may be paying more than you think you're, you should be paying for for Medicare. Yeah, that's got, the based sticker. on your income from two years ago. That's right. That's the sticker shock of it is, is that what you thought you were going to pay for yep. Medicare is uh, in some cases a higher number. And that is called the IRMA or income related adjustment. And what I do with that is I'll build in uh, maybe a tax reduction strategy. And in some cases, it's relevant for uh, for folks. Um, 
and it has to do with the qualified charitable deductions. And uh, the other is retirement incomes transfer. That is the NUA conversation. And uh, so I'll give you a quick example of what that might look like. Typical retiree, when they roll their money out of their employer-sponsored plan, is going to uh, find themselves in a position where they're going to have, in many cases, company stock. In our area, that is Boeing stock, typically. Mm. And uh, that has been uh, put into the plan at a lower cost basis. And so as an example, for someone who is rolling money out of a 401k, and I'll just put together a hypothetical here, the basis is 25000 Today, it's worth 100000 All right. So he can roll that out of there and pay his regular income tax on that, which on a hundred thousand in a say a twenty-two percent uh, tax bracket, that's twenty-two thousand dollars in taxes. Okay, so that's where the typical person will roll that out, put it into an IRA, and pay the taxes on it. However, NUA or net realized appreciation means that he is really only having to pay regular income on the first twenty-five thousand. And then he pays a capital gain tax on the difference of the 75000 So to do quick math on that, what that would mean is, is that he's going to have a, a cost, if you will, of 5500 uh, which is 22% of the 25000 But capital gains tax would be 15% of the difference, the 75000 You put the two numbers together, and he could lower his tax to 16750 rather than the 22000 So he saves about $5,250 just by making that simple change. All right. I, so you have to look at the numbers differently, not just as one chunk, but you can break it up and look at it two different entities and then combine them. Yeah, that's the one where I hear that the accountants don't really know about that or don't think about that or talk about that. And typically it's up to the financial advisors to be able to make that well known to the retiree that this is an option. It's called NUA. You have a one-time shot to do it. And that's when you roll the money out of the 401k. After that, it's done. And you one-time shot, that's it? That's right. Once it's rolled out of there, then it's all ordinary income. And what we're doing is just trying to put ourselves in a position to where we can lower our taxes, which is a great way to provide additional growth and income in any retirement uh, portfolio just by saving. And talk about how that relates to Irma, too. Yeah. So, uh, you know, again, many strategies will continue to uh, have these critical conversations about how to lower the Irma cost uh, by understanding that it's a uh, challenge in your future and uh, how to, to reposition assets to make that happen. A challenge in your future. That's a very nice way to put it, Ken. <laughs> mm. All right. Where do you want to go from here? Endowments? Ready to jump right into endowments. Absolutely. Outstanding. All right. An endowment, usually you think a big entity, a big university, an educational endowment. How does that help you and me? Well, you know, here's the thing is, is that traditionally retirement income has been a function of what we call modern portfolio theory. In other words, it's a mix of stocks and bonds and putting that portfolio together. And the idea is, is that uh, we're going to uh, mitigate risk and we're going to create income. 
And uh, so you're going to have a mix typically of 60% stocks, 40% bonds. And in today's world and in uh, past uh, events, we find that just doesn't work. As, a, as an example, this year, S&P is down 16%, NASDAQ down 29%, bonds year to date are down 13%. So the issue there is, is that it's not working. And we've had those kinds of times, early 2000s, 2008, uh, were, were typical times when we'd had prolonged uh, disruptions to the volatile markets. And so uh, back in 2008 and 10, we saw that the endowments were performing well in, in all down markets and during volatility. And so what were they doing that was different than the traditional investment planning? And what uh, the Yale Endowment does is invests heavily into the alternative investment space. And, and so what that means is, is an alternative investment is an investment that is not in the public markets and it's not a stock, it's not a bond, all right? So there you have that. It's uh, typically in the Yale Endowment Plan, they have uh, overweighted to the alternative such that an alternative portfolio typically there is about 10%. Whereas the average investor today is invested heavily in the public markets. Well, how can an, an, a private investor, an individual investor, access alternative investments? Well, it's a great question. And uh, up until about 10 years ago, that was very difficult for the private investor to accomplish that. You know, the, the idea behind it is that we're working in the private markets and the private markets themselves um, are not public. And so meaning that the typical access to that gets out of that 60-40 mix of stocks and bonds, which is easily accessible. And so um, what we've determined really is the objectives of the investor and the objectives of the endowment plan are basically the same. The endowments, they're looking for income. They're looking to fund research, teaching, public missions of any kind. They also need emergency cash reserves. And they also need growth to fund their institutional capital requirements. Well, the individual retiree needs the same thing. They, they need to fund their lifestyle in retirement. They need emergency cash for whatever's unexpected and growth to fund the wants, the wishes, the desires, and really to protect their longevity. So to accomplish that, then we introduce the idea of the alternative investment as really a way to diversify from the traditional assets, lower risk, raise returns, and shield the investor from the risk of the public markets, that volatility risk. You know, here's the thing is, is that losing is bad, but it's worse than we actually think. And what I mean by that is, is that if you're down 20%, you need 25 to get back to even again. If you're down 30, you need like 45% to get back to even again. So these, this kind of volatility has a profound effect on the typical retiree. And all we're doing here is we're taking these private markets, which is to give some kind of function of what they are. It's investing in private real estate, private equity, private debt. The typical private investment provides monthly income, which can be used for cash flow if needed, 
or it can be reinvested for growth. The typical structure is going to be in preferred stock or a shareholder class. Now, these are regulated by Uncle Sam. But really, until the last 10 years or so, we haven't had access to these kinds of investments. We did, but it was a bit out of reach for the average investor, meaning that was hundreds of thousands, if not a million dollar minimum to get involved in these kinds of investments. So the wealthy or the, the very high net worth had access to it, the institutional class assets that we're talking about, but the typical investor didn't. And so now what we've done is for the past 10, 12 years or so, started to integrate more and more and more of the alternative investment classes to mitigate this volatility that we see that happens anytime we're in a recession or anytime that we're in uh, you know, a bear market or there's volatility in general. Uh, these are all conditions that we have no control over, geopolitical risk you know, wars around the world or, uh, you know, heaven forbid, continuing to print money that creates more and more inflation are all the factors that can lead to this volatility. And I think that the alternatives are a great way to mitigate that. What about liquidity, though? You're you're mitigating the volatility. Fantastic. But do you have to go into these investments with a long term? I'm not going to need to touch this capital right now? Well, it's a great question. And so as as great as the endowment strategy sounds, it still requires diversification. It still requires the strategy. So in other words, what we're saying is, is kind of that critical fact as we start to get into that critical conversation, uh, facts and need to know information that's necessary in order to make a decision that's in your best interest. And so this is a strategy that still needs to have the basic components, which is diversification. And we need to have an asset allocation model. In other words, what we're saying is, is that we might look at one of these pieces and say, oh, I really love that. I'm going to go you know, all in or uh, may not work for that. Conversely, we may look at it and say, geez, I need a better tax strategy. Well, one of the best investments to mitigate taxes is a real estate investment. Also happens to be a pretty good inflation hedge. So we can concentrate the strategy in that direction, then we can help the client a couple of different ways. One, we can get longer term growth because typically real estate is going to be a longer term hold. The point that you just made, that's a longer term hold. It's illiquid real estate. If we own a building, uh, it's it, we, we don't necessarily have the ability to get that money back and use it for an emergency cash reserve. So we would use a different instrument for emergency cash reserve. However, it might be a good source for tax-related income, tax-adjusted income. So we can marry two strategies, income with a tax strategy to it, along with a longer-term growth strategy. And we may be able to get uh, income that is very tax-friendly in today's world, and we may get longer-term growth that can outpace inflation when we look on a longer horizon. Are there still minimums you have to worry about with your investors? 
Absolutely. Sure. And so typically the minimums are going to be 5,000, 10,000, 25,000, 50, and 100,000 in some cases. And um, so again, that is all a function of putting together the right kind of portfolio for the needs for that particular client. When you explain this to your clients, do they do they get it? Do they understand that an endowment, that word is just so imposing, an endowment can help them? Or I should say the strategy can help them. Yeah, I, I think the wake-up call really for using and moving away from traditional stocks is to understand that um, there are a couple of constraints in the alternative market and there are uh, differences from the public market. So what that means is, is that in the public market, it is visual every day. You see the valuation of that stock every single day. And when it's going up, you're just, that's the good times. And when it's going down, that's the bad times. And so, uh, so it's different than a traded investment itself. And so that's the first thing I really think to start to internalize is, is that it's not liquid every day. So when the markets are changing uh, and they're going through their, their volatile times and going through their up times, then this uh, kind of strategy is designed to mitigate that, is to smooth that out. So that's the first thing, is the illiquidity of the typical investment. Now, that's not to mean all alternatives do not have liquidity. In many cases, they do. And so you still have to have that same methodology of short-term growth, which is typically that three to five-year period of hold, and that longer period for longer-term upside growth. Uh, but in most all cases, we're looking for these investments to spin off income on a monthly basis. And so that typically is going to be a bit different than the buy and hold for asset appreciation that you see in modern portfolio theory. The traditional investment strategy is to hold it and then, of course, hope that the market goes up. And if that doesn't happen, then the plan just is not working very well. That's yeah, true. And I think people have learned that this past year. Yeah. And a few lessons over, over time. And mm -hmm. uh, again, I've learned that the, we love the market when it goes up, we don't like it when it goes down. And um, I always get asked that question. Do you think the market's going up or is it going down? And the answer is yes. Well, which one? <laughs> <laughs> it's going to do whatever it's going to do. And when you get into the alternative investments, you made quite the point there that they are not liquid. You cannot value them on a daily basis. You can't get out of them on a daily basis. You can't get into them on a daily basis. So it is a different mindset. Again, do your clients accept this or do they do they come to you and they say, well, we have to get out now or what are we going to do? The market's going down. How do you explain to them? Don't worry. Yeah. You know, and the, the wonderful thing is, is that this is a perfect time to have that conversation with one of my clients. We'll do our end of the year reviews and they are feeling good about themselves. You know, their neighbors down 20% and they're up whatever they're, if they're returning six or seven or 8% on that particular investment, they're up. Okay. So the good news is, is they're not in the market. So you're not worried about that market volatility. Now, of course, the, the trade-off is the illiquidity. And that's the most important aspect of it is to understand that you can't go cash it in anytime you want. You need specific kinds of investments. They could be alternative investments or they could be in the stock market. 
um, but you need to have that uh, covered in with a different kind of investment typically. But I would say Purchase uh, overall uh, very well satisfied with the uh, alternative investment because they find that they're getting the typical rate of return that they're looking for. And is if they're getting that return and that's coming out of the investment on a monthly basis, whether it be real estate or private equity or private debt funds, uh, then they have found themselves in a place to where they're accomplishing their goals and they don't worry about looking at the investment. Uh, they don't worry about what the valuations are. Well, as we wrap this up, Ken, is there anything you haven't mentioned that you want to make sure you do? Well, you know, the, the main thing is, is that this is a quick snippet on the endowment strategy. This is an overview of what alternative investments are all about. And so as we continue down that journey, we'll come back with some critical conversations about private investments and take a deeper dive into what do they do exactly and how does it work? Um, the real estate sec sector itself is uh, vast, very broad. It could be commercial real estate. It could be um, housing. It could be, uh, uh, you know, private uh, uh, real estate deals. So the, the the basis for it is, is that there's a lot to learn and we do that consistently. We bring the sponsors in and have them talk about uh, their, their plan and their strategy and what their thesis is for investing. Ken, how can people reach you if they have more questions? Well, our phone number at the office is 321-454-3623. And uh, Jenny Giroux answers that phone and she can schedule the time. We can do a quick phone call for any quick uh, pieces of information and so on. And uh, also the information is on our website at pinnaclefinancialwealthmgmt.com. And of course, we met Jenny in episode two. So please yeah. go listen to that episode and get to know her. Follow this podcast to make sure you don't miss any episode of Roadmap to Retirement and be sure to share with colleagues and friends. And thanks for being with us. Thank you for listening to the Roadmap to Retirement podcast. Click the follow button to be notified when new episodes become available. Visit our website at www.pinnaclefinancialwealthmgmt.com or give us a call at 321-454-3623. Securities offered through Center Street Securities, Inc., CSS, a registered broker-dealer and member of FINRA and SIPC. Investment advisory services offered through Center Street Securities Advisors, CSA, a SEC-registered investment advisor. Pinnacle Financial Wealth Management, CSS, and CSA are independent entities. Discussions are meant to be general in nature and may not be suitable for all investors. Please consult a tax professional regarding any tax implications.